Okay, this is My Teenage Self Love, Ana. Ikari. A podcast where those amigis reflect on our different experiences and walks of life. A love letter to our teenage selves and to anyone who listens to this podcast. I love that. Um, this first episode is about first loves. Mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, okay. So, uh, my name is Annalise, and I am from Hawthorne, California. Uh, from the, the south of LA, South South Bay. Um, and... I'm an artist. I make music. I write. I enjoy all forms of expression. Um, and I studied music in college, and now I'm studying to be a music teacher. Amazing. I am not an artist. <laughs> well, not yet. Um, uh, yo soy Karina. Um, I have been a lot of things, I think, and I'm still figuring out what I am. I went to college. Well, hold on. Let me back up. Born, raised in South Central Went to college up north in UC Davis, wanted to be a doctor, worked as a scientist for many years, and then hated that shit. Found a love for education, and now I am working to be a Spanish teacher. I work with high school kids. Yeah. And the purpose for this podcast is to uh, really just connect back to our teenage selves, I think. My whole idea of it was that I wish that I had overheard these conversations Absolutely. because we continuously had conversations that dealt with healing and like recognizing signs or like really seeing things mm-hmm. um, later on right in hindsight I saw all those things and so I think I really wanted to have this podcast with mm-hmm. you so that we could create a space so that whether it's a teenager or a young adult or an older adult who wants to feel kind of I guess validated in what their their experiences are well I think when we first met each other we were like oh my god you we're amazing we and then as we started to understand our stories we were like wait Mm -hmm. we have a lot of similarities we came from very different paths and at the end of the day we were both storytellers that we felt like we didn't have people in our lives that could have helped us when we needed to have someone there to listen. Yeah. Right? And I think now that we're both educators, we see that a lot in the kids today mm-hmm. that we work with. Definitely. I, definitely. I think because you can always tell when a student or when a person didn't really have, like, that older sister or, mm-hmm. like, that, old that like, mom that was, like, yeah. a friend to them, you know, or, like, that they had that that person in their life that they kind of connected to, Mm -hmm. especially as femme or as women, you know, as like femme people having that connection with another femme person. Um, Yeah. And I think we can only right like, I always remind myself that we can only talk about our own experiences as the identities that we are a part of. mm -hmm. But I think even then everybody can find some connection to that and like, being a woman, being a person of color, all of these things that we're going to eventually talk about in this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, our first podcast, we want to we want to touch on first loves. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, we came to this conclusion that we would talk about first love because first love is awkward, and this is our first podcast. So I feel like it's going to be awkward, and I think it's very fitting to to talk about first. Yeah, just start with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> So what was your first love? And what like how old are you? Like what's your story? Um I I was thinking about this before, you know, on the drive here and I think my first first love didn't come until college. Mm. And I think it was a first love that hurt a lot. Um because it was also my first queer love, mm-hmm. right? Huh, side note, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um Right, but it was, so I grew up in a very, you know, religious household. My parents were like, no, no puedes tener novio, right? You can't have a boyfriend, whatever. And I was like, well, okay, fine. Did that. Went to college. I finally had this liberty to do all of these things that I wanted to do. Went five hours away from here. And I was in an all-girl suite for my first year. And I was like, oh, my God, I think I like girls, right? And it was this very scary experience, and then that's where I met, let's call her Sarah, for privacy reasons. 
that's where I met Sarah and we started talking and it was this feeling of like I really like this person more than just a friend right but it was something scary to like have those feelings of fuck I I've never had this with anybody else man woman whatever it was so yeah we started we were like flirting with each other it was great we ended up being in a relationship um and it was amazing the first six months it was really like all those feelings the butterflies no and we would go on dates together we would go on double dates we studied it was great and then we did the stereotypical like queer thing to do and move in with each other fucking nine months after meeting each other you know (laughs) first tip don't do that um but we did so my second so after my second year so this we were no we weren't for like a year and then we moved in with each other because she had some shitty roommates i was like no just move in with me you know it's gonna be great and that's where things sort of started to take a turn in the relationship where it was no longer this like happy feeling it was a lot of fighting a lot of um, just like emotional and physical, not physical, psychological, um, borderline abuse, right? Mm-hmm. But I love this person. She was my first love. Like I still felt like I, like I still love her. We are fighting because we love each other. Mm-hmm. We are fighting because we want to be in this relationship. Yeah. Relationships are hard. This is how it has to be. Because nobody growing up taught me how relationship should be and how they should look like and i think also like when it's a borderline abuse that's when it's hardest to leave because it's never like clearly this is bad you know yeah this is not healthy i should leave it never feels that way it's always kind of like other people fight so this has to be and it was it wasn't even like this constant thing it was the okay we would fight it would be horrible. I'd end up crying. But then the next day, we would, like, go to the park and mm-hmm. have these, like, mm-hmm. oh, let's be let's be cute again. It was, like, what? The? It was this back and forth, right? This cycle yeah. of, like, we get mad, we get happy, and then it just keeps going. But it progressively gets worse, where it starts affecting your mental health. Mm-hmm. I was in academic probation. Like, I was spending all of my time in this relationship. It was it was consuming everything. Um and then that lasted for a long time. I stayed in this relationship for almost three years. Wow. Yeah. This is a, what college is. I had five years in college. This was a lot of my college life where I was in this relationship until we ended up calling it quits. And even then I had to deal with like the breakup of that because you're just you're in this relationship. But then you have to deal with I still kind of like have love for you. And now we broke up. What do I do? after that and it wasn't a clean cut no absolutely not bitch we still had a contract (laughs) to live with each other for another like four months fuck that's a long time absolutely like it was it was horrible because she moved on she tried getting really like a partner and i was still her fucking housemate dude the drama (sighs) i know um So then it was a lot of, like, picking myself back up those last two years. Um, But she taught me a lot. Like, at the end of the day, I think it was a big, a big learning curve. Especially breaking up with the dog. Did I tell you that story? You you gotta tell them, though. (sighs) The dog. I still think about him. Um, Again, second tip. Don't get a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking (laughs) a year after meeting each other. Bad idea. Um... I had a dog. His name was Bruce. Beautiful pit bull. Loved him. And then we were both like, okay, well, if we were to break up, which this is never going to happen because we love each other so much, she's going to keep the dog. Right? But we're never going to break up. So it's going to be great. What do we happen? We end up breaking up. Um, And then when we end up leaving, she's like, okay, I'm taking the dog. Fuck. That was after the four months were done? Yeah, so I still had this dog for those four months. I still, like, gave him out, went on walks, to the vet, all of the things, right? I was, he was my dog. Um, Broke up, he's like, okay, I'm taking the dog. Fuck. That was, in itself, the day she left, so hard. Because that means that I had to break up with him, too. Because it wasn't, like, if I, 
I knew that if I had kept the relationship with him in some way where I would like babysit or he would come visit, I would never break the tie with her. And I think that was was painful. Um, So I remember one day, no, she did bring him actually one time. And I was like, okay, yeah, just bring him over. Like she needed me to take care of him. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then that's when I was like, okay, this can't happen again. I have to break up with him. So I remember I took him on the best day ever. We went on walks. I took him to the puppuccinos at Starbucks. We said hi to all of my, my friends. It was great. We had a blast. And then I told her, like, this can't happen again. Like, I love him, but I had to also break up with him. And then that whole day, I just bawled. I cried. Because it was the end of this whole, like, three-year ordeal that was going on. I still love him. And I think in a way, like, breaking up with the dog was also, like, the final straw. The final breakup with her. Because I think, like, as long as there's a connection, Mm -hmm. you're not breaking up. No. Because I think, like... A part of what you don't get told as a kid is that a breakup can last for years. Years. Oh, yeah. If somebody still has emotions or feelings for the other person, you're not broken up. Because a breakup is emotional. And it's like a severing of ties completely, Mm -hmm. you know? But there's also this idea that it's linear, right? That, okay, you break up, you get over it, you move on. But I don't think... It's like okay, I broke up, we're good one day, and then something triggers me, and I'm like, fuck, right back to the beginning where I have to heal again because I'm hurt and I still haven't gotten over it. And it's this process like, okay, I'm getting better slowly, and then some shit happens, and now I'm back to the beginning. Definitely. Right? Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of what I had to deal with towards the end of my college career. But when you first met, like, what is what was your feelings that you had when it started? Because I think that's what we don't talk about so much is like when you have your first love, like what different, like what dif- like what makes them different from everybody else? Because I think it's a very clear feeling. It was this like, I think for me it was this eagerness to see them every day mm-hmm. that I didn't get with anybody else. It was this, it's like this, this warmth that you get with, that you don't get when you're like dating or, or looking with other people. You just, it's this, I don't even, it's like a connection, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I would have, they like dated other people in the end, but it, it didn't bring me any fulfillment. Like with her, I wanted to do things. It changed my whole perspective where I was like, oh, okay, like, oh, look at this is so great. I want to go do it with her. Mm-hmm. I want to go reach out and do it with her. And then, like, you'll be doing in. things and you're like, oh, I wish they were here. Yeah. yeah. Or I remember when I got into my first medical internship, um, the first thing I did was call her. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I got in. Yeah. And then we went to celebrate, right? Like, it was, it was, I wanted to create this space only for them, Um because they just understood and saw me and had this, like, look in their eyes when they saw me back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we want to do this together. That wasn't with other previous relationships. Because with other relationships, oh, let's hold hands, let's go to the movies, let's go to the mall. But this one, we had the income to do things, we had the time, we mm-hmm. had the place, Everything, like, lined up so that we could be together and spend all this time to know each other and to really, like, talk t- and about our past and about our traumas and, like, build these bonds. Yeah. You know? I feel like my first love experience is very different than that. <laughs> because my first love happened in high school. And we work with teenagers, right? Okay. And I feel like we see a lot of teenagers like, get into relationships and, like, have their first loves. And I feel like constantly what I what I heard and what they hear is that it's not real. Like, oh, you can't even, you can't even take her to the mall and buy her things and you can't even, you know, like, or, yeah. you know, it's not real and it's not real. You'll see what real love is when you're an adult. But, like, I reflect back and I was in love. I mean, like, I was in that version of love, mm. you know, because I feel like, I'm experiencing my first real love now as mm-hmm. an as an adult. But when I was a teenager, like that was still my first love. Um and it was super unhealthy and terrible. 
um, on my end. Ooh. Let me backtrack. So I was, I started playing guitar when I was like 14, mm-hmm. and, but I always really loved to sing. And I remember the boy, let's call him Peter. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Church name. Peter, I remember I had gone to school with him since I was in kindergarten. But when we got to high school, um, something changed. I don't know. He got cute. And I wanted to sing. I was, like, obsessed with Haley Williams. And I was obsessed with Paramore. And I remember she was like, oh, when I was a teenager, all I wanted to do was be in a band. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to be in a band. And so Peter was giving out flyers at school and was like, come try out for my band. For a band. band." And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. And he goes up to me and he gives me a flyer and he l- looks me in my eyes and is like, don't think highly of yourself. I'm giving this to everyone. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. But I know. But at that time, I was so like ready to feel love that it didn't matter who it was with. Mm. And he was cute enough and he played an instrument and I sang and... I think I also romanticized love a lot because I read a lot of books. Yeah. I read a lot of love yeah. stories. And so when this random boy gives me this, like, flyer, it was to me, like, it made this strange connection in my brain where I was like, I'm going to make a story out of this interaction. And it led me down a path that was not the healthiest. Because, mind you, he didn't have a great reputation at school. His reputation was that he hooked up with girls. Okay. He had... Oh, girl. He had made out with one of my, like, acquaintances. And we were in a king set together. And... (laughs) And they just... Oh. But 15-year-old Annalise was like... But I think it's this idea of, like, the stories that you create in your head. Yes. The expectations. Yes, exactly. Because it's like we were in a quinta together, and every time we had quinta practice, and I would dance with him, he would tell me something like, where did you buy your jeans? And, you know, like, dumb things like that. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm not going to tell you, you know? My jeans are cooler than yours. And and I remember at the quinta, he was, like, dancing with me, and my mom was at the quinta, too, and she was like, who's that boy? And, and it was just so, like, like you said, like the stories you make up in your brain, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Because... He just wanted to, like, make out and, like, yeah, you know? Did like, you ever get the, like, but he's going to change for me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be the one he chooses. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, is that eventually he, I did become the girl that he chose in an in, in, in aspect, right? Because, yeah, we, like, kissed and we did all that, right? But then, like, he got a girlfriend. It didn't tell me he got a girlfriend. Mm. We kept, mm. like, hanging out. And I, like, confronted him about it and was like, you have a girlfriend. And he was like, yeah, and I like you more than her, but I'm not going to break up with her for you. I remember that so clearly. I was, like, I was like 15. It's been over 10 years, and I still remember that. <laughs> because it hurt so bad that, uh, that the boy that I was, like, in love with would tell me that. Didn't choose you. Yeah. He, and, and not only that, but he had the option to choose me and still chose somebody else. And, like... We were playing guitar. He played the bass, and I played guitar. And I was like, oh, my God, he plays the bass, and I play guitar. And, oh, my God, it's like we're in a band, and we're going to play music. And the thing was, it was like, that's how he got me. Like, he would send me music, and he'd be like, oh, here's this band, and here's this band. And, like, literally my favorite band to this day is still a band that he showed me. Mm -hmm. But it's like... He kept, like, stringing you on. Oh, yeah, for years. Because he would break up with her, and then be like, I broke up with her. Let's go to Disneyland. And then we'd hang out, and I would think, like, we're going to get together. And then we would, like, kiss. Or, like, you know, at, at his mom's house. And then I would go home, and he'd be like, oh, I'm getting back with Sarah. Oh, I didn't mean to say her name. <laughs> <laughs> we can okay. redo that. We can, re- we can uh, edit that out. We'll bleep it. They will remember. <laughs> they will remember. But, yeah. And so I would literally, like, I was back and forth with this person for years. And he was not nice. He was like a mean, he was like mean and nice and mean and nice. So like he he would tell me like, you're my best friend. And then 
would like say you're never gonna be a musician you're way too emotional but then like cry on the phone with me it was like weird so weird and like that's but that's like manipulation yeah definitely because it was like const this constant like like I remember he would say things like, I'm going to be a musician and like, I don't know about you, but I'm going to do this. And this continued and this was like who he was forever. Mm. Like he never like changed because I, I've spoken to him as an adult, like as both yeah. of us as adults, like years after, like we were good and I didn't feel anything for him anymore. And he was still like that, like still a dick, you I know, so many. Well, I think. Okay, see, when, when we asked this question about first love, I wish I could have said that my first love was myself, mm. you know? Yeah. Because nobody taught me that. And I, I maybe you can also add on to this, but I feel like the reason why I got into... she I mean, she, she, they, she wasn't the only shitty relationship I was in, right? But I would always choose these people that wouldn't choose me. Mm. Yeah. Because I needed this this validation and I needed them to do the loving that I didn't have for myself. Yeah. You know, I needed them to be like, I love you. And now in retrospect, it, but I didn't love myself enough. No. You know? Yes. A hundred percent. And I think that that was clear to me when I just kept getting into relationships that looked a lot like that relationship. So like, yeah. or, I would flip the script and I would be the asshole. Mm-hmm. Because when I... Yeah, no, 100%. When I dated my ex-girlfriend, I was the dick. I mean, I would like... When Peter wouldn't... His, okay, so Peter's way of not... Of manipulating me would be to not respond to my messages. So he would send me some crazy outlandish shit. Like, it would... I remember one time it was like March... Like, my senior year, and yeah. he, he was living across the country, but he would call me every day, and we would talk for, like, hours every day, because he didn't have anybody, yeah. but he had me, and I was, like, I had prided myself on, on being that person for him, like, he doesn't have anyone, he doesn't have any friends, but he has me, and he's choosing me, you know? And I remember it was, like, March random on a Saturday morning, and I woke, I had taken a shower, and, like like got to my phone and it was a text that was like I'm never gonna talk to you again like our relationship is done like this is it and he did that to me like throughout so many times so many times Mm -hmm. but this one was random like usually it was like I started dating a different boy and he was like I'm never talking to you again and I was like why like you have a girlfriend like we're just friends and he couldn't handle that the me having somebody else you know I was kind of like on reserve and but this one was random. Like we we had been fine for for months, and all of a sudden it was like over. Like I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I remember I was sobbing and sobbing. My mom, like my mom at this point was like tired of it. She was she was just like, what did he do? Like what happened? And an hour later was like, I don't know what happened to me. I'm sorry. Like I'm just kidding. Like why do they do that? I have no idea. I have no idea. Because I have the same experience. Like, when I started dating people, my ex-girlfriend would be like, mm, but you're always gonna, like, come back to me. What? No. And the worst part is that you do go back to them. Yeah. And then when they, when you don't go back to them anymore, is when they get, like, shocked. Mm-hmm. Shocked. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the way it ended for me was that he was, like... It, there was this weird moment where I thought he had told me to go to the mall to meet him. And he had told these other two girls to go to the mall to meet him. And those two girls didn't like me. So I showed up to the mall. And there happened to be a boy there from my high school that we weren't even friends, me and the guy. He was just there. And he went up to me and he was like, oh my God, like, you're, at, you're here. What are you doing here? And we're talking. And he, like, comes up the escalators at Delamo. He comes up the escalators <laughs> by the movies. Yeah. And he sees me with this guy. And he, like... I could, yeah. He flipped... I could tell in his eyes. Like, it, it got to that point where, like, I could see it in his eyes when, like, things were going bad. Like, and I would get anxiety. And so I saw it in his eyes. And that night, like, I... And he, like, ignores me. 
And the guy is like, oh, I'll watch a movie with you. Like, I was going to watch this movie by myself. You want to watch it with me? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I watched the movie with the guy. And I remember that, like, night or the next night, Peter calls me and he's like, like, why did you think it would be okay for you to show up to the mall? Like, I never invited you. I never said anything to you. And then you were with that boy. I like you on the mall. Wait. (laughs) I know. And I remember being like, no, but you don't understand. He was just there. Like, I didn't, I I didn't plan that. Like, I didn't mean, like, I was trying to explain myself. Overcompensate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, it was, it felt like I was begging him to stay with me. But that's part of the cycle where they like get mad. And then you have to do, it was, I told this, you brought up this idea of like anxiety because you can see it in their eyes and it was the exact same way. Mm -hmm. Like they would get mad and it's like, fuck, Mm -hmm. now I have to like reach into this bag of magic tricks that I had created to like, okay, if she's mad, then I have to do this or do that so that they're not mad anymore. Yes. Because I want them, like, I don't want them to leave me. Yes. A hundred percent. And begging didn't work but that's not okay no i know (laughs) you know yeah because he left yeah like that's what i wish people could like like all of my students understand when i see it in their relationships now Mm -hmm. like that is not okay yes like you shouldn't have to feel anxiety when being with a person because they're mad yes and also like the back and forth is not normal and it's not it's not love. No. I mean, it's not healthy love. Like, yeah, I was in love. And, like, I'm always going to nurture teenage me. Yeah. And that, like, yeah, like, that was love for you. Mm-hmm. But your relationship, that was not love. That was manipulation. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, what you experienced together was love. Like, mm-hmm. no, what I had for him was love. And that was my first love. Oh, yeah. And I think it's... I don't want to say inevitable, you know. I hope it doesn't happen to everyone. And they can understand and learn it early on. Like, I need to understand what a good relationship is before I can mm-hmm. go into a relationship, right? But I would hope, right? Like, if it does happen, at least for me, like, I don't regret it happening. Because it taught me so much more after that. Yes, 100%. But it took me a long time. Yeah. And I think it still takes me a long time today. Like, when I think about the relationships that I want to be in today, mm-hmm. it gives me a good framework of, like, that shit cannot happen again. Definitely. And I, even now, like, I'm in a point of, like, I, I still feel like I am single. Well, not anymore. I feel like now I'm going into a place where I'm okay to put myself out there and, like, mm-hmm. do all of these things and go out and dating again. But for a long time, I wanted to stay single. Yeah. Because I knew that I had a lot of work to do on myself before getting into that relationship. Because it's also not fair for the other person. Definitely. Def- I mean, I think it took me... I, I mean, me and me and Peter ended things when, we were, when I was 18. And he stayed with his ex-girlfriend that he yeah. kept going back and forth between us for like eight years. So, like, five years after me and him ended things, didn't talk, he was still with her. Mm. And, like, and mind you, she was also caught up in what him and I were in. Because she knew that I existed. And I was, like, literally in that, like, I'm the other girl. Like, I'm the... And it it felt terrible. And I, like, when that moment ended, I was like, I'm never going to be another girl. I'm never going to fight for somebody. Nope. If they don't, if they have somebody else, cool. Good for them. I'm never going to fight for somebody. And I'm never going to betray a girl like that. Yeah. Who's, who, like, has a man. And talk to me. Yeah. Never. Like, I remember we would, like, when we, this shit still happened, right? Mm-hmm. She ended up starting to date other people. And she wouldn't say, like, she wouldn't tell them that she was still living with her ex-girlfriend. And she was still, I mean, it wasn't like it was a clean cut when we were living together, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we still yeah, did things. Yeah. Um, but she wouldn't tell them. Like, she would, and then she got into this, rela- like, an official relationship with somebody else. And she'd be like, do you still want to hang out? Do you still want to be friends? And I'm like, what did, your, what did your girlfriend say about this? Well, she doesn't have to know. Like, she, you know... Oh my god. Aren't they gay coochie? 
Uh, no, seriously. Like, Peter came back into my life when I was, like, 24. Um, and I, like, I finally could feel for him like a friend. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he, we were, like, we had, like, a friendship for, like, two months or something. Yeah. Where I would call him, or, like, three or four months. I would call him, and, like, or he would call me, and we could just be friends. Like, it was just mm-hmm. friendly, and I would, and he would talk to me about his, the girls that he was dating, and I would talk to him about this guy that I was in a really deep relationship with and it was fine then he's still living across the country and then he moved he didn't move he came to play a show in LA and I went to go see it and it was cool it was fine and then he was like let's hang out after by like where uh-huh. he's from Gardena and so I was like yeah and so we hung out in Gardena and he was trying to hook up with me yes Yes, six years later, was still trying to hook up with me, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm good, bro. Move on. Yeah. But not only that, it was just kind of like, what does that say about you Mm -hmm. as a person? Like, you Mm -hmm. are still that grimy kid inside. Oh, dude, she, like, I tried blocking her off of everything. She had her mom text me. I'd be like, happy birthday, mija. Happy New Year's. Happy whatever. Like, leave me alone, lady. Just leave me yeah. alone. Oh, yeah. He, this he, this guy found my LinkedIn. <laughs> and tried to add me on there. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and I think it goes to show uh, what, what that did, though, was validate for me that I was not the asshole in that situation. Absolutely. You know, I was an asshole in a lot of other situations, but I yeah. was not the asshole in that situation. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. I feel like that what was crazy or like at least like what you had mentioned, like where you were like single, you've, you've been single for a long time. Yeah. I never got that mm. because at the end of the day, what Peter was for me was trying to fill this void because I didn't have my dad and I didn't have like male like figures in my life mm. that loved me yeah. the way I should have been as a as a girl and like also like my mom worked all the time and like I was I was kind of raised as a single child because for the first like 10 years of my life I was an only kid until my mom had my brother mm-hmm. with my dad and when I say I don't ha- I didn't have my dad I mean like my dad was really busy working yeah and, like, my mom was really busy working. Yeah. And my grandma was a mess. And my deals were doing their own thing, yeah. you know? Um, I was, like, alone. And I wanted to be loved. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. when it didn't work out with Peter, then I tried to get with Cheyenne and didn't work with Cheyenne. I love Cheyenne. She's my best friend. She's fine if I say her name. And then I went on to another guy and then another guy. And then I dated this girl and I liked that girl. And I never had this peace like, even when I was single, it was always like, oh, well, now I can find somebody. Yeah. Or, like, well, now I'll be able to find somebody mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, so unhealthy. And and another thing is, it's like, being an artist, for me, it was, like, fuel for my art. Yeah. It was like, oh, we broke up. So, and then I'd write, like, five songs, mm-hmm. ten songs. And then I could perform those songs. And then when I was happy in a relationship, I couldn't write songs. So I would be like, oh. Like, to create drama in my life. Yeah. You know? But... That's interesting. I think when I first met you, mm-hmm. I had just finished sort of that, that phase in my life where I was, like, meeting a guy at a bar and, like, doing whatever I wanted and meeting a girl and meeting whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just anybody. Because I I wanted so, so a mm-hmm. similar feeling to that until I met you and... You were like, no. Like, when it actually, the the current relationship you're in now, you said something like, no, I didn't, I didn't go looking for it. Mm-mm. I had gotten to this point where it was like, it's gonna, if it finds me, it finds me, but I'm gonna be doing me right now. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck. That's what I should be doing. Yeah. Because what had happened in my life was like, I tried dating. I got into a situation with my best friend, my guy best friend from college, and it didn't end well because 
I was still looking for love mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be held down in a relationship. And I was, and, and not even love, but just like, uh, like I was unhealthy. Yeah. And after that ended with him, there was a, this guy in my job that I really liked and I really liked him and I could tell he really liked me. And then it, and then he ghosted me. And now I know that it's because he was pursuing this other girl the whole time. But, like, I just remember when, because when I liked that guy for my job, I was finally at a point where I was like, if it works out with him, I'm going to settle. Like, that's it. I'm going to be healthy. And I started taking, like, steps into that, like, going to therapy and, like, going to the doctors and, like, getting physicals done and just being like, okay, if I want to be with this guy for my job, I need to be healthy. And so I started taking those steps and then he ghosts me completely. And I just remember feeling like, why? Like Mm. to this day, I'm still like, but what did I need to learn from that? But I think a part of it was that I needed in my head, something clicked where I was like, I want to be healthy for this person. Yeah. For this next person. Yeah. And even though it didn't work out with him, I was like, okay, and then that summer, I, like, I was skating all the time. So there was this one boy that I had met from Alondra, not Davey, but this other boy who was just, like, a cute boy who was, like, talking to me. And I remember this was when I used to smoke. And he was like, oh, you want to smoke in my car with me? And I was like, okay. And so, like, it was like, oh, like, this is a cute boy and it's magical. And then he ghosted me. And I was like, wow. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Why did that happen? You know? And then there was, like... it, And then another boy. And he ghosted me and, like, stopped talking to me. He only texted me at 1 in the morning. But by then I was, like, 24. And I was, like, oh, I've, I've been through this. Like, yeah. I'm good. And... But I think that whole, like, preparing myself for, like... Okay, if I'm in a relationship again, mm-hmm. I need it to be healthy. Right. But so many boys ghosted me that summer... That something clicked in me. I remember I was in a cumbia band and I was driving home from the cumbia rehearsal. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know if I'll ever get married. And I think I'm okay with that. But like beforehand, I would always say like, no, I don't care if I'm in a relationship. I don't care. You know, to try to like make a relationship happen. But it was like the first time that I actually felt it. Like where I was like, if I don't get married, I'm cool. And I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not that I don't love my boyfriend and I don't think we're going to work out. But if we don't get married, if we break up, I'm okay. Mm. You know what I mean? That's it, growth, baby. It's gro- <laughs> that is growth. <laughs> and I've had those thoughts where, like, yeah, obviously relationships are hard. And you have moments where you're like, I just, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah. I'm going to break up. But beforehand, when I was, like, 23, 22... Me thinking, oh, we're going to break up was like, oh, now I can date other people. Whereas, like, if I, if me and my boyfriend were to break up now, it's like, I think I would move to Mexico. I think I told you that. Like, yeah. I, I would move to Mexico and be an artist and, like, just live. and just live. Yeah. Because I think you're bringing up this idea that a relationship should add on to your life, mm-hmm. not be your life. Exactly. Right? It's not this all-consuming thing that, like, that is the only thing that makes up my life. Because you're all of these other things. You have a full-time job. You're, like, making things. You're creating yeah. things. Yeah. You have an income. Like, you are you are your own person. Yes. And now you are allowing this other person to be part of that and to add on. Yes. And I think that's also where we kind of, like, where you realize that a person is not your everything. Yeah. And they also creates healthy boundaries yeah. because you can say like this person is causing me so much turmoil that I can't even focus on my work. It's over. Yeah, and I think you start doing that with all your other relationships that aren't just like your love relationships. Yes, it's creating healthy boundaries. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it's so hard because if you didn't grow up watching your parents or your family members set healthy boundaries with others, you don't know what that looks like. Nope. You don't. No. At all. Like, my mom. Or, I mean, we're going to have an episode specifically to parents, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But with my parents, it wasn't a healthy relationship. It was very, like, my mom um, did whatever what my dad wanted. My dad would get mad. Like, he was the man of the household. 
what happened in my relationships, same thing. Mm. Same thing. I took on my yeah. mom's role. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because you, you take the role of the person that looks the most like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And then now that I am an adult and I see it in them, it's like, wow. Fuck. Yeah. I, I think so, too, because when I was with Peter in my high school years, he talked a lot like my grandma. Mm-hmm. Where, like, when I was, and we're going to have, like, yeah. um, like, grief and, like, parents and grandparents and stuff. But, like, my grandma would tell me things when I was little, like, crazy things. Like, ay, eres un inútil. You know, like, no vales nada. You know? And, like, would, and would say things like that to me. And, like, I remember one time, oh. She had said something really, like, crazy to me. Like, I don't love you. Or some, something like that. And, like, as a little girl, you you take everything that people say very seriously. And I think that when that, that led into when I was a teenager mm-hmm. with my first love, he would say things like that. Like, you're never going to be a musician. Or you're so weak emotionally. Or you're, like... Like, just mean things. Yeah. But you were already conditioned that, like, oh, all of these mean things is a form of love. Yes. Because the people that I love the most say these things to me. Mm. And then you, your relationships become a reflection of your family. Yeah. And it wasn't until I could tell my family things and set boundaries with my family as an adult that my relationships changed. Because I remember my mom, like, my mom's crazy. And we'll talk about moms. But she, like, I remember I had dyed my hair green. Like, just a little mechon, like, like right here. Green. And I came home. And I knew she was going to say something because she always says something. Because she's been saying something since I was a little girl. And she was like, you look ugly. Te ves fea. Así. ¿Por qué hacen las mamás eso? I don't know. I don't know. And I just remember I told her, like, wow, you sound like your tía. <laughs> and she stopped <laughs> because she doesn't like that tía. You know? Yeah. She, and she was, like, shocked that I said something like that to her. Yeah. And because she knew that she mm-hmm. was being like mm-hmm. her tia, you know? And so now in my relationships, if if Davey says something crazy to me, which he doesn't, but when he has, I've stopped him and been like, I need you to know that you're gaslighting me right now, you know? <laughs> and then he's like, oh my God, I am, you know? But it, but it's like in those moments where it's like you give him grace, and but you, you point it out. Yeah. And he has pointed it out to me. And it's been like, oh. Because that's part of creating a healthy boundary, right? Is like understanding like, okay, this person did something that I didn't like. Let me reflect on why it didn't, mm-hmm. right? It was either triggering, it was disrespectful, it was whatever it was. But you are also letting them know. You're being honest and like, you are devaluing me and I know my worth. So yes. are we going to fix it or is this going to be a problem? Yes. You know? Exactly. Exactly. But it takes so long to get to that point. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you come from a dysfunctional household. Yeah. Like speaking up and showing your feelings. Exactly. And what's weird to me is that my dad, growing up, was never mean. Like, never. He was, like, logical and, like, kind and to the point. And when he didn't have something good to say, he just wouldn't say it. Like, growing up as a kid. Mm. and like into my teenage years he got a little crazier at the end but that was like mental health not like because of his personality you know um but i so that's why it like growing up like thinking back now i'm like okay but why did i engage in these relationships and these like toxic relationships when my dad wasn't even toxic you know what i mean (laughs) like his relation maybe his relationship with my mom was toxic but his relationship to me was never toxic Mm -hmm. and to this day like he's still my person that i go to that i talk about like i talk to him about everything and like you know but it's it's sometimes it's like your relationships with your like with your with your first loves which is your mom or your grandma or like mm-hmm. your you know mm-hmm. especially as a girl you know oh yeah because you look up to them mm-hmm. they're like your your role models yeah and when they're mean to you you're like fuck is that what love should be yeah exactly but we're gonna talk about moms in a different podcast um but like one other thing i remember when okay the boy that i worked with that ghosted me oh yeah 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 I remember him saying out loud because at this at this point I knew that we like we knew that we liked each other, and I remember him saying out loud to me, 
in front of all my coworkers and my other coworker who knew that we had a thing going on. He said, I'll have a girlfriend when I win the lottery. And it was my birthday, bitch. <laughs> it was my fucking birthday. And he said that. And I literally was like, Hello. Okay. I guess don't. <laughs> and I went I went to my best friend's house and I was like crying, telling her what he said. And mind you, this is like years and years of going to her every time a, somebody was mean to me mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And she literally just like was like you date emotionally unavailable people because you're emotionally unavailable yourself. And until you're not emotionally unavailable, will somebody actually come and find you? Oof. Oof. Wait. Me cambió todo. Because nobody had straight up been like, you're emotionally unavailable yeah. and you're dating people who the reflect you. Absolutely. That's deep. You owe her one. <laughs> it's true. Because that's when I opened up and was like, okay, if I want to be in a relationship, I need to... I need to understand my own emotions. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to express my own emotions. Yeah. I need to understand them. I need to connect to the deep root of why I can't connect with people mm-hmm. on the long run. Mm-hmm. And why do I keep choosing people that are unavailable yeah yeah and I think I do that now like I try to model certain behaviors with my students because I realize that I am I mean they're with me fucking for so many hours during the day mm-hmm. and so I understand like if I knew that I had the parents that were emotionally unavailable and I dated people that were emotionally unavailable and like nobody under like you know nobody was there to express their own emotions I try to model it, model it as much as I can. As like, no, express to me what is going on. What are yes. you feeling? Why are you feeling this way? Like, I don't like that you said this because this, this, and that. Like, trying to really be explicit on like, the, this is what you should look for in relationships. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. Across the board. Because I think at the end of the day, like, the profession that we've chosen, which is to work with children, teenagers. Mm-hmm really like it kind of puts us in this position where now we're the teachers that we had in high school absolutely and i had teachers that i would cry to and be like he said this and he said that now we are that person the amount of times just in this year that the student have been like you're like my mom you're like a tia to me you're like i'm like wow I'm only 24, bitch. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I'm trying. And I know yeah. I'm getting somewhere where they feel like they can come talk to me about, you know, like mm-hmm. their their personal problems. Or like, dude, my mom, que no se que. Or like, I'm having this hard time. What can you do? And like, it really is letting them know, like, you have a lot of choices. Yeah. Like, you get to choose how you let other people affect and treat you. Yeah. You know? Yes. But that's also, like, why I think, like, going into a profession like this, it's really important for us to be connected to what we've been through. Mm -hmm. Because students trigger us. Yeah. But also, being in this profession is you have to have a level of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't tell your story to them, and if you don't even know your own story, then they're not going to connect with you. And you're going to be that teacher that's like, hmm. I had a cool, like, they were whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really know them. Yes. Like, I remember with my favorite group of kids I've ever had, which was my after school group of kids, and I wonder, I'm sure they'll listen to this Sunday. They know who they are. Um, I remember they were so sad, and they were sitting on this couch, and, like, three steps way, like, so sad. I have no idea. We, I was trying to get them to go out to go get snacks. And I just, like, saw them. And instead of invalidating them and being like, come on, you guys are just kids. I just was like, you know, I remember when I was your age and I would just cry. I would, like, go home and I would just cry. I would wake up crying, go to sleep crying, listen to sad music and cry. I was just so sad. And they were like, oh, my God, yes, I cried. Because you cried? Yeah. (laughs) 
they were like, I, I can't stop crying. I don't know why I'm crying. And I'm like, I know, I don't know. Like, Sometimes I, you don't need a reason. You just need to cry. Cry. Yeah. And in that moment, I could have easily invalidated them, mm-hmm. which so many adults invalidate Absolutely. kids and their feelings. Like, oh, you'll get over it. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, like, you, like you're fine. You're no. a teenager. No. Yeah. That's not what they, like, they already have that in their life. Mm-hmm. Like, if mm-hmm. you're, if you, you're like, yes, it's a paycheck. Yes, it's a job. But at the end of the day, like, a, being a, an, in a position where you're an adult on campus, you are in a position of power. Yeah. And if you use that power to invalidate feelings, like, you are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Because kids need to be validated mm-hmm. in what they're going through in that moment. Like, absolutely. we can't, like, we were invalidated as children. Like, why are we then doing the invalidating? Yeah. I think it's still, I mean, even I have coworkers that I can tell, like, ooh, bitch, you have a lot of emotional maturity that you need to go into. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, 30 years older than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Do the learning. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what students need and what children, teenagers need is not another adult that's in their life. Yeah. That's telling them, invalidating them, making them feel, like, less than. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, part of why, like, I, half of my job is literally just befriending the students. I think part of our job is just storytelling. Mm-hmm. And this is why we made this podcast. An extension of this. Yeah. Because I feel like if one of my students find this, like, I want them to be able to connect to, like, oh, that is happening to me. I didn't realize that I was being manipulated. Or even, like, oh, that is happening to me. Now I know that when I see her on Monday morning, I can go talk to her. Yeah. She's a real person. Because you can. (laughs) (laughs) No, 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, I feel like therapy right here. Yeah. What else do we need? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm excited. I think we talked a lot about, um, a lot of the things that are going to come out in our next episodes, right? This Mm -hmm. idea of mom, this idea of being, or of of moms, of being in education of, I think we're also going to get into a lot of like more helpful things for students, right? Yes. What it was like for us specifically in college and all these other things. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah, this is uh, to my teenage self, Lavana. Okay. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. yeah. We're at the Sound Vibes Music Studio. Come check it out. We're being produced by Johnny. Great guy. Johnny Q. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah.